John Caulfield was brought into Eamon DC Park to get Galway United to the promised land. That is the Premier Division. Three seasons later, and they're no closer to fulfilling that dream. The vibe this season seems to be, it's now or never. The fella in the green and my short. The fella in the green and my short. Keep the good man on the bench. Welcome to the Big Kickoff League of Ireland podcast in a week where Sligo are desperate to sign a new striker. Expectations start to build ahead of Galway United season and Drogheda United cash in on the naming rights for their stadium. My name's Roy Shanahan and I'm joined by Nathan Doyle. And also this week we have Joseph Murray from Galway United's media team. Joseph, welcome to the Big Kickoff League of Ireland podcast. Thanks a million for having me on, lads. It's absolutely brilliant to have you on, Joseph, because now we can ask every Galway question that we can think of. <laughs> and you're under fierce pressure from both sides to answer and not to answer. So, uh, Listen, Joseph, if I was, I didn't know anything about Galway United, what kind of club is Galway United on match day and behind the scenes? I'd say a community club, first and foremost. You know, you, you walk into the stadium and you see the same faces that you would have seen probably 10 years ago. Um, there's a real nice community feel. At the moment, the co-op is still in charge. The uh, proposed Comer takeover hasn't gone through yet. Um, so at the moment, it's still, you know, a community-run club like the likes of Sligo would be or the likes of Drogs. So there is still that aspect to it, um, which I think is really important at the moment. Um, the... There is a little bit, I suppose, of unrest just due to the fact that we've been chasing promotion for so long and it hasn't come yet. But I think fundamentally the most important thing for the club is the community field. You know, there's so many people that use it as probably a bit of an outlet as well. And I think during COVID it was it became a lot more important in the community and that was reflected in the attendance numbers when we came back. So for me, um, it, it's a massive part of my life and I think a lot of people would say the same thing. On the pitch, there's been... <laughs> Um, a few struggles, as as we all know, but I think office, you know, it's so important for so many people, and it's it's a great place to be. To be fair, yeah, it, Galway would be my uh, favorite place in Ireland, bar where I'm living, obviously. But it's always somewhere that I've always loved to go and and, and enjoy down there. So I have a little soft spot for Galway United, and I do really want to see them do well. With the Comer brothers, do we know why that hasn't gone through yet? What's what's happening there? No, it's um, it's a bit silent at the moment, to be fair. I think it's, it's expected that it will eventually go through, but um, at the moment it hasn't. But like, they're still the principal sponsors of the club. They're still yeah. there all the time. So I think it's, it's kind of more of a formality, but at the moment the co-op still is in charge anyway. Okay. Now, uh, do you think there's a reason John Caulfield's taking the club into a fourth season? Is there a belief that he's, that he's doing something right down there that they can visibly see the the fruits of his labour or do you just think that he deserves another bite at the cherry? It, it depends who you ask, I suppose. I think <laughs> the thing with John Caulfield is although we probably aren't where we want to be in terms of division, I think behind the scenes and the way the club's advanced in a lot of other areas has, has come on so much under him. Um, it's It's probably one of the things that doesn't really get looked at, but you know, in terms of the professionalism around the club, the standards, all that type of stuff, we have advanced quite a lot. And I think if you ask a lot of people around the club, they would say the same thing. Obviously, results are his bread and butter. He is the manager. So it is frustrating in that regard that we haven't got to the, the Premier Division yet. But I think, I don't know, I'd say we're 
at the stage now where it is kind of now or never for him and his, his contract is up at the end of the season this year so it will be interesting to see how he gets on but I think this year probably does represent another good chance for us um you know we've we've done really well with the recruitment so far um I think a lot of people are quite happy um with where we are especially in defense I think you know we've reinforced with a lot of Premier Division names which is brilliant um and Waterford I'd say are probably the biggest threat we have at the moment but there is a little bit of unrest there as well so you know we might see us see us challenging again anyway you talked about john caulfield there and we'll talk about john a lot here in the show but he's uh, second in command this season uh, ollie horgan you talked about the recruitment that's probably one of the biggest names that you brought into uh to galway this year talk us a little bit about that i know you probably haven't seen much of it but the dynamic in that partnership between john caulfield and ollie horgan two um probably wouldn't be unfair to say hot heads on the sideline how do you think that will work with two such similar um personalities it's quite funny actually because uh caulfield used to always go horse on the sideline last year and he used to get the assistant manager to go up and shout for him so uh <laughs> now he's got ollie horgan and i think he's gonna have no problems getting someone to shout for him but yeah to be fair like i think i think it's it's a dynamic that will work quite well you know they're they'd be very close anyway um by all accounts so i i don't think there's any going to be any issue of you know stepping on toes or anything like that i think it's a dynamic that's going to work quite well um ollie horgan obviously has you know bags of experience from you know managing finn harps previously and he's brought in lads that he's familiar with as well you know you look at regan donlan and rob slevin so i'm i'm quite optimistic about it I, I don't think it's going to be pretty at all times but i think if you're getting results at the end of the day that's 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 what you need so I'm cautiously optimistic, but that's that's dangerous when you're a Galway United fan, I think. <laughs> All we will say is, it, 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 oh, thank you, Roy. Roy, what, we three, four minutes into recording and you got yeah, a little pat poking? Uh, <laughs> I think all we will say is, God help any fourth official doing uh, any sort of Galway United uh, game. Look, we've seen a lot of, uh, like Stephen Walsh was obviously extremely impressive last year with his uh, goal tally and things like that, but one player that, didn't make any high headlines and rightfully probably so uh, as Bastian Hervey. I know it's not a name that's going to be brought up often at all, but talk, talks of him getting a move now to Wexford. From me seeing from last year, like at Galway, what has gone on in his career? Because you look back just to, not too long ago, his time at Waterford, and he looked like he was going to be <clears> the next big superstar to come into this league. And he's just fallen from grace time after time again, hasn't he? Yeah, it's... It's a confusing one, really, because when he did play last season, I thought he always stood out and was probably, you know, by far the most technical player on the pitch. But he also did get stuck in. So I, I found it confusing that he probably didn't get the minutes that I would have expected him to get. But yeah, Wexford might be a good move for him because as far as I'm aware, he's living in Bray anyway. So, you know, he's, he's a bit closer to that side of the country. So that's that's handy for him. But yeah, it, it hasn't quite clicked for him in the last couple of years anyway. But we have seen what he can do in Ireland. You know, he was named in the... The Premier Division team of the year, I think, in 2018. I'm going to say so. You know, he has proven it at times, but it's it's just getting a consistent run and finding a club where he's he enjoys it, and also the fans love him as well, and has a good relationship with the manager. Nathan, it's it's a tricky one, isn't it, in the first division with that one automatic place? Um, who do you think is going to really push Galway this year? Well, as Joseph said, Waterford is the obvious answer to be there, isn't it? I think that it's going to be. A major two-horse race for that automatic position, but I think the playoffs is where it really gets interesting, you know. Longford are going to be there and thereabouts, as always. Bray Wanderers, they can only get better from last year. It was an absolute disaster, both on and off the field. Ian Ryan coming in, they seem to be taking positive steps in the right direction, but 
that has to be remain to be seen. But um, and even Wexford, who I mentioned there, I think Wexford have probably done the one of the best, if not the best, business across both divisions in terms of the recruitment. New young manager gone in there, so yeah, I think if we're looking at the automatic position, Waterford, but yeah, it's really, really going to be tight as it is most years now. In fairness, in the fourth division for the playoffs. Okay, I'll put it to you another way, Nathan. If you had to bet you, the rest of your money in your bank. I don't know how much is in there, and I'd say it's uh, but If you had to put everything on uh, Galway going up this season, would you? Probably not. No, sorry, Joseph. Uh, <laughs> I just think <laughs> we're, we're, we're Waterford. It's it's Waterford's year with with the, the financial backing and the new ownership that they have there at the moment. Um, it, it's it's hard to look past Waterford at the at, at the moment of time. To, to be honest with you. Okay, right. Even sneaking through the playoffs. Galway sneaking through the playoffs. Oh yeah, that, that's. I think the, I think to finish up second as it is, it's just going to be. It's really difficult to see past Waterford, but yeah, there's there's no no reason why Galway can't get through the playoffs. It, they're a good enough side there, as Joseph Are said. They good enough. Probably hasn't be... been the most glamorous transfer window, but it's been shrewd in in the personality brought in. Um, yeah, definitely good enough. Okay, well, I'll ask Joseph. Are they good enough to beat uh, a team in the playoffs from the Premier Division? Do you think? Uh, it depends. I mean, you're going to think you're going to think UCD are probably going to struggle this year, so they're probably yeah. going to finish bottom. Then you're looking at the likes of Cork City again, maybe, Drogheda. maybe Drogheda. Maybe so as well. yeah, yeah. Again, it's... I suppose that we've looked at preseason games, and Galway are. I think they're unbeaten in their preseason games, aren't they? Um, so, did you get a glimpse of them at all this year? No, unfortunately, I haven't been able to get down to any of them because they've all been in Dublin so far, apart from the one in Westport, which I was in Malta for, so I didn't get to that <laughs> one either. But uh, yeah, no, you see, I always find that we turn up against teams that we we are probably on par with or would be considered the underdog. But then when we're playing a team that's below us, considerably below us, in fact, we usually don't turn up. So funnily enough, if we had to play a one-off game against the side in the Premier Division to, you know, seal promotion, I'd I'd back us. But it's getting through the initial stages of the playoffs, you know, against the other first division teams that yeah. I probably wouldn't back us. So, yeah, it's a confusing one. I found that our best performances last year were against Cork and Waterford. So, yeah, I, I don't know. It's, um, I wouldn't back us in the playoffs. I think it's it's kind of promotion as champions or bust, really. Yeah. Yeah. Love the confidence, love the confidence. But I saw you're, you're being knocked every year. There's a bit of hope, then it gets knocked. You get a bit of a hope again, it gets knocked. So, But eventually it's gonna, you're going to come knocking. It's going to happen eventually. So if it's under John or it's not, I think it's going to happen for Galway. So, uh, but as we said, for, for John himself, he, he probably knows that this is his, his last hurrah and, uh, and last go at it. With the Comer brothers, do you, what are you hoping for? What are you expecting from them? Uh, I mean, this is a real, how would you say, this is a real sort of football manager kind of scenario where you're you're given unbelievable amounts of money probably to build what you want to for League of Ireland standards to probably get in the players that you want. It's immediately, I know the last couple of years it's been full-time football. How can they progress it and what, what are you dreaming about? Side and Ryan Manning probably. I know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I think the big, the big sell for their takeover is the new facility that they're going to be building um, out in, I think, Athenry. So, 
that would be huge for the club to have, you know, a central hub for, you know, the women's team, the senior men's team and the academy teams. That coming in would be massive. You know, we're already kind of at the stage now where we're borderline full time. We still have some lads that are, you know, um, part time as well. So I think full time, proper facilities, you know, rather than having teams spread out across the county and, you know, maybe looking at upgrading the stadium as well. But at the moment, like that's owned by the FA. So it's it's not the easiest thing to do yeah. but yeah i mean that and and promotion but i wonder if they will come in until after promotion which which might be a thing as well so it's it's hard to say but yeah facilities will be the big one for me i think okay and what about junior football down there so schoolboy football into amateur football is there a togetherness for galway united down there or i know there's obviously there's been the likes of salt hill devon um who have been you know around the league what kind of way or what kind of feel is around Galway uh, with this Galway and it proposed takeover? Well, funnily enough, I'm from Mayo, so I don't always get the local feel. But um, yeah, I think among fans, it's it's mixed. I think a lot of people reluctantly accepted the proposed takeover um, when it was put to them. So it was kind of with the caveat that, you know, the the facilities were going to come in and there was going to be real improvements. I think at a local level, in terms of, you know, the local clubs and stuff, there is there is a pathway and it does kind of seem to be a pathway where, you know, you play for Merview, you play for Salt Hill Devon and the likes, then you go into the academy and then you go in. And you do have teams or you do have players, in fact, you know, that might skip, you know, the underage levels and go straight into, if not the under-19s and the senior team, We've seen that with Stephen Walsh, who I think came from Merview, I'm going to say, and David Tarmy, who only came in in the under-19s and then went straight to the seniors, more or less straight after that. But most of the time you're coming in at under-14s, under-15s, you know, that that type of age and then going in. Okay, right. So there is some sort of togetherness down there, though, as in it's more in hope at the moment than hoping that something is going to blossom into something. Um I, I would be very hopeful because I, I couldn't see why they would want to take over and then not want to dominate. Uh, they, they're, they're powerful enough to do that. So I think there could be some good times ahead for Galway. And I, it, uh, Nathan, we'll go next door to Sligo because uh, Aidan Kenna has left. This leaves a huge hole uh, in the Sligo team. Uh, how much trouble does this leave them in? Yeah, so look, as you said, me, Sligo Rovers have confirmed that uh, Aidan Keane has uh, left to go to League One side Shetland Town for an undisclosed fee plus add-ons. It's believed that Shetland uh, triggered the release clause of uh, Keane, which is rumoured here in Sligo to be around um, 80,000 between 100,000. And it's also believed here in Sligo that in his contract, it stated that he couldn't move to sides within the League of Ireland. So that's why we never really heard much of but there was early rumour of Aidan Keane going to Shamrock Rovers, which never really came to pass. So that's why, as I said, leaves Sligo which is a little bit short, but it leaves him really short in terms of attacking options. You know, you, you look at last season and he would he probably would have had as backup for Keane or playing in out and wide positions. Would have had likes of Wilfred Sterrell, uh, Max Matte. They have Fabrice Hartman, the, the German guy who was uh, uneligible to play for them last season. He's now fit and ready to go. But they be more natural winners than an out and out central striker, and that's something that they're really lacking uh, at the club. I just said, look, we're less than three weeks out now from uh, the start of the Premier Division season. I think the deadline for transfers is in the 20th of February for uh, for League of Ireland clubs. So, yeah, doesn't leave them much time whatsoever. And as, as we said there, we, we were asking Joseph about 
Galway facing sides, um, the Premier Division sides in the playoff. We you know mentioned Drotter, mentioned Cork. I'd go as far to start putting Sligo Rovers in that conversation now because of uh, the lack of a striker option. Okay, uh, so you're a Mayo man, Joseph. So you're stuck between Galway and and Sligo. Uh, I, I might have just asked you on this football and Mayo. How do Mayo feel about not having a club representing them, or is does it bother them? Uh, it it depends who you ask, I suppose. I think a lot of people are fine with, you know, going to the likes of Sligo, the likes of Galway, you know, to get their, their fix of, um, full-time football. But I suppose it is a, it is a bit frustrating when you look at all the, the underage players that would have to go to Sligo or Galway just to have a crack at, you know, playing League of Ireland football. So that's frustrating. I think with the, the proposed third tier that's going to be coming in, you know, it'd be a shame not to have a Mayo team. Um, I've okay. heard rumours of something coming in, but nothing concrete yet. But I think it's a huge missed opportunity. If It would be a huge missed opportunity if if nothing came of that because there is a lot of talent here. You know, you've got plenty of people who who are from Mayo that have played League of Ireland or are playing League of Ireland at the moment. So there's no reason why we couldn't have a team. It's just because the county's so big, I suppose, finding the, the correct location for it, finding somewhere where people are going to consistently go on their Friday evenings to... You know, get behind it is is probably the difficulty as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it will be great to see. As I said, that oh, yeah. third, that third yeah. tier is going to open up doors for a lot of counties to <clears throat> to get a club together. Um, you would love to see that because football's it's huge all around the country. And as you said, obviously with with the bigger counties, um, like like Mayo, um, and it's well spread out. That may be difficult for them, but. Uh, yeah, massive, massive opportunities. And I don't think that they wouldn't get players. I, I feel that Mayo would get the players to to gradually build a, a solid team. So uh, that's something that I'd really hope to see. Now, Drogheda United have renamed their ground, Nathan. It's no longer ahead in the game park. They've decided they need the funds. They talked about generating funds and, and this seems to be the way they've done it. Yeah, so Drottie United will be playing their home games at Weavers Park uh, this season. It's on an initial one-year deal, which could run for uh, for three seasons overall. So uh, what is Weavers? Weavers is a, is a popular bar in Drottie. Um So it's nice to see that's a local link and a local sponsorship deal um, happening there. As you said, Head in the Game Park was uh, there for two years with connections with Head in the Game yourself. It's... Um, we put a, 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 a statement up on Twitter, but just to echo again, really thankful for Drotter for the past two years for allowing us to um to, to, to uh, go with Heading the Game Park. It was absolutely honoured to have it, especially for the the extra year we wasn't expecting. So so that was really brilliant. But as you said, it's just a Drotter United team that most, most clubs are looking out for players. That's been their main goal. Drotter's main goal has been looking for um, a cash injection, uh, whether that be from an individual investor or a group, group investment coming in and it just, just hasn't been there. It just has been difficult to find it. Um, through no fault of trying, we've been talking to about two or three different uh, groups and individuals and just, just nothing has come to pass. So you're looking at this sponsorship deal coming in and people have been critical once again about the name, but um, it's it, sure if you're a the fan, it's always going to be United Park to you. Same with Joseph. If if Eamon DC Park was ever to get rebranded or re- renamed, it's always going to be Eamon DC Park. So I think get away from the name and just look at it as a solid cash injection that the, the, the club sorely needs coming uh, into the season. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, 
maybe heading to Game Park and make its first uh, appearance out the West when Mayo decided to put it in. Uh, yeah, get a pass of ourselves to give us a shout. <laughs> uh, I, think, I think the proudest part of that was that um, obviously a lot of it was proud. I'm sure some of the other lads in heading the game have more proud moments, but uh, seeing heading the game, uh, Park, and obviously the name heading the game football manager well, it was a massive <laughs> sticking point. Yeah, uh, yeah, no, that's huge. So that's huge. Just, just going back to the name there for a second, right? Just have a bit of a conversation about it. And I was reading some of the comments on the uh, when Drotter released up on the social media accounts about Weaver's Park. And there's people making the comparison to, well, Connor uh, Howie was very quick to uh, to have a bit of swipe at Dundalk when they brought in the sponsorship of, uh, of Bet Regal. And now we have uh, the Drotter United going to be playing the home games in a ground that's theoretically named after a pub. So we have the comparison of, is it okay to lash out at people being involved with gambling sponsorships, but now Drotty United have an alcohol-based bank sponsorship? Yeah. I don't know, do you take much credence into that? Is there much of an argument to have with that? I think he was talking to you, Joseph. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, not here, Roy. Feel the question. <laughs> yeah, it's, I'm, I'm someone who is very against betting sponsorships in football, personally. I, I really am not a fan of them. Um, the pub argument, yeah, it, it's definitely got merit as well, to be fair. I think the one saving grace for it is the fact that it is, you know, it's a local pub, you know, it's, it's a community, it's a community, it's a community club. It's a community sponsor that's redeeming it somewhat, but yeah, I will, I'm not a fan of drinking sponsorships in football either, to be fair. I think at the same time though, you know, Drahada did need the, the injection, like it, it's coming at a vital time for them and in a time where, you know, they're doing so well in terms of, you know, attendances and stuff like that. And they're continuing to punch above their weight in the Premier Division. But yeah, it, it doesn't, it wouldn't fully sit right with me if it was my club, to be fair, either. OK, so what about, so we, we do, we talk about the betting, we talk about now the, the drinks and that's fair enough. What about local teams, amateur teams who have pubs on their shorts and stuff? Where Where do you stop it? Yeah, it's it's a good question. I think the main the main one I have and the main gripe I have with uh you know drinking drink sponsorships is more so the big brands, you know, your Heineken's, your Carlsbergs and stuff like that that are plastering their name all over football grounds in terms of, you know, uh pitch side advertising. That's mainly an issue, you know, kind of at the upper echelons of the game. It's not as prevalent um you know in the League of Ireland and stuff like that. I think a pub like yeah you know, it is somewhere where people go to drink and stuff like that. But there are other, you know, purposes to it as well. So it's not as bad in my eyes. But yeah, preferably, I suppose you'd, you everyone would want, you know, a, a mental health charity to be sponsoring their stadium, if anyone. But it, it's not always the case. And if you need the money, you need the money at the end of the day. Like, And just, just talking about the, the betting for a second as well. And it comes at a time, Roy. I know you sent me on an article before we jumped yeah, on here. Yeah, in front of me. Where, where, uh, the FEI have, they're really starting to clamp down now, aren't they? On, um, in terms of players betting on games because we've had a whole host of match fixing allegations and odd betting pattern allegation things like that like seeing in the article um it was uh, neil overden wasn't it on some yeah, sport really good article now. yeah really, really interesting yeah with uh, the fio invited club, uh, club representative to abbottstown to underline how much um LOI, the league of ireland is gambled on and some of the figures here were crazy weren't they like you look at um the average men's Premier Division match in 2022, you, uh, you have a 9.1 million turnover uh, for the bookies 
in terms of the fourth division, you have a 3.25 million turnover. Uh, the FAI Cup gave up a 3.85 million turnover, and the Women's National League was a uh, 363,000. And so that's all turnover for the bookies, and those are those figures up here where uh, you wafer. So yeah, some starting numbers when you see them, and then overall over the 180 games across the uh, the Premier Division, Fourth Division, and Women's National League, you have 2.26 billion. Like. You, you can see it really is a, is an issue and like we said the FEI clamping down they've banned all players from betting on any match across the world so um yeah it's definitely an issue that that it's it's been in the forefront for a long time but uh with you look at the arrest numbers uh like I said the past three and a half years 15 people have been arrested and released without charge some of those even being current and former players so mm-hmm. yeah it, it's a major issue not only in the league but across the football and world as a whole and it was saying that the majority of bets that are made are from Asia on yeah, the League of right. Ireland and, and not from within Ireland, which you, you generally would have thought. Um, it's, it's, it's a huge thing because there's so little money in the League of Ireland that it's it's very open to that kind of match fiction, corruption, whatever. And it doesn't have to be scoring an OG. It can be giving away a corner <laughs> in the first minute or... You know, something silly like that that can, uh, without affecting the game hugely, it can still be a kind of a, a match-fixing thing, a, a betting uh, scenario. Um, there was a, and it goes on to say, it says, given the levels involved, it is no wonder the FA are so keen to get a slice of the pie in the way the horse racing and greyhound racing industries do with a betting levy. In those figures, they're totted alone across 180 games uh, there would have been up to 2.6 billion for a season if they put a betting uh, levy on League of Ireland games. We could do with that, couldn't we? Like so, if we can, be an influx of cash, and it'd be an influx else, of like, cash. Is it yeah. something? Is it something that should be looked at to bring in? Uh, Joseph, I'll go with you first. I don't know, like. <clears throat> I think you have to be careful as well because you don't want it to become embedded in, you know, football culture in Ireland as well. You know, people go to the horse racing and a lot of the times it's only to win a bit of cash, you know what I mean? And that's kind of because, you know, you've got bookies surrounding the place when you go in. It's it You don't want it to become so normalised that football becomes the same. And I don't think it would. And as you said, you know, a lot of that is coming from Asia anyway. But I don't know, I'd be I'd be careful with it as well. I think you don't want to go too far one way. Well, if you if you don't put it on, they're putting the bets on, and there's no gain. Um, and if you do put it on, there's obviously we'll say two billion, two point two six billion. Some of that money could be going in on education around sporting uh, or bet betting around the football, and maybe within the League of Ireland structures through down through the the fifteens, the nineteen seventeens, whoever it is as well. So it wouldn't all have to be just dished out to the clubs and um, it, it could be something that they use to help facilities within the league and um, uh, training grounds. And uh, God knows in this country, we need more and more Astro pitches just for the winter time, just so we can get through the winter time. Uh, albeit we don't really like to see the, the League of Ireland games on the Astro pitch. We'd rather it was on grass, but that's the country that we live in. Nathan, do you think that that there's a benefit to maybe putting a levy on like that? I mean, it's not going to stop them, is it? 
you just said it there. The, 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 the benefit is what the money could go towards. Um, like even if you put on a, a 1% levy uh, on domestic bets, as you said, like a lot of the betting is done in foreign markets, but there's still a high percentage of, of those bets being done domestically. Um, while I'm the same as Joseph, I, I, I think it's a, it's a stickier point we are talking about uh, out and out sponsorship and things like that, but taking the levy and not put, putting the money and even maybe putting it towards education, towards gambling and towards gambling addiction and things like that, maybe using that bit of darkness for goodness could be a way to go about it too. Yeah. Joseph, I look at games, Leinster Senior League games, so amateur football, the top division, you can bet on those games at any time you want. You can, you know, put your your mortgage money on, I don't know, Wayside Celtic or Crumlin winning a game at the weekend. Uh, All these people go out, they do their jobs, they're working nine to five or whatever it is. It, should it be allowed? Uh, no, I don't think so. I think it's it, it gets a bit murkier when it goes down, goes down a bit too far. But like, I mean, you look at other countries, and it's possible to bet on like under twenties amateur volleyball. So like, it, it's a problem worldwide. To be fair, um, and I I don't really know how you regulate stuff like that across the board. Um, to be honest, though, I I wouldn't be too comfortable with that. Like, if I was playing you know, a senior match in Mayo and someone was betting on me to, I don't know, score a hat-trick or something in some world, I, I wouldn't be too comfortable with that. Like, so, yeah, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't be too keen on that, no. No. Nathan, I'll let you finish off. And what's your thoughts, even going down to that kind of level? Yeah, it's, it's a bit much, isn't it? When do you stop the boat? Like, when, when are we going to start betting on under-8s games and things like that? It can be... Um, yeah, it's a lot of pressure. Uh, we obviously know, look, football and, and betting companies go hand in hand. Whether we like it or not, it, it's just a relationship that's been there for an extremely long time now and the, the, the rise of advertising hasn't helped. That's probably only made it 10 times worse. Um, yeah, while we're probably not the right people to be talking about gambling regulations and, and, and levies being taxed on, we wouldn't be uh, too well-versed in that knowledge. So, uh, yeah, it gets a bit murky when you're starting betting on like amateur player, you're betting on it. Like, like Joseph said, you're betting on the shopkeeper to score a hat trick. Got it. So that comes true where your, your family hadn't getting fair for the next week and a half. So yeah, can get a bit. Yeah, big. well, they can, listen. It, at that level, it's it's very easy. And I've seen dressing rooms. I've seen uh, people talk about games and how much they've put on uh, the game that they're able to walk out to the local pitch and 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 back on because they have information from someone around someone. You know, so. Yeah, I think it's I think it's something that should be eradicated. I don't think at that lower that lower such a low level, I don't think it should be. And in actual fact, I think it should only be on professional sports, and that would for me be ruling out the likes of the first division, um, because there's it's too open to someone needing an extra few bits of bits of cash and and maybe maybe going down the wrong road where they don't really want to go. Okay, we, that's something that's going to ramble on, and uh, if uh, if we can get. Two billion in. Well, maybe we'll go down that road. Maybe we'll have to. We'll have to have a little look at that. Um, the Paddy Power big kickoff League of Ireland show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're here, Paddy. <laughs> um, okay, Finn Harps uh, under Dave Rogers Nathan. Uh, there's a lot of positivity around. How do you think this is going to go for them this year? Yeah. So we're talking at the top at the top of the show about. Um, who could potentially be there with Galway in terms of the playoffs? And I left Finn Harps out on purpose. I, I really do think they're going to be doing their belts 
Dave is an absolute fantastic coach. Absolutely brilliant. You know the positivity he's going to bring. If you just, just look at a bit of his, his coaching record, uh, playing on the front four, pacey counter-attacks, neat build-up play, and things like that. But um, we got some good information, lads, recently from um, uh, Finhab's fan forum events that took place ahead of the new season. Um, we obviously Dave would have spoke at the event, apparently put on a really rousing speech about his ethos, his tactical approach and his style of play. That got fans really excited. But um we also heard from the club chairman Ian Harkin, which might add to the positivity around the club, as he said, that uh the return to construction on the new stadium project or the the, the re the reboots the stadium project is um Look, they're looking at spring as a very realistic target for when they, the work will commence on that, which is absolutely brilliant. Again, he talked about things like improved season ticket numbers since this time last year. So, yeah, plenty of positivity around. But I think if you look at Dave, it's a massive rebuild, isn't it, that is going on this season at Finn Harps. Bar, I think Ryan Rainey is probably the only player that that, that was made an impact last year that's still there at the club this year. Uh, he's on a two-year deal, which again, not a positive. We've seen a lot of two-year deals being uh, being given to some of the, uh, the, the new recruits at the club. The likes of Keith Cowan came back. He's returned to Harris from Drottery. Uh, Ryan Floyd and Michael Harris have both, uh, well, they're not American. They both come over from the, the American League, the USLL Championship, and then the MLS. Um, I think that's in, in Michael's case. Uh, Seamus Kyo was coming from Sligo. So while you have lost uh, um, a lot of star players from last year, we could, we could run through a list here but we could be here for the next five minutes or so. Uh, he, he's done. He, he's made some shrewd signings, Devs. Some really uh, young, exciting talent. No offence, Barkey Cowan, who's more the experienced pro that's come back to the club. But yeah, the fact that everything seems to be long term. You know, Dave's there in a four-year deal, a full-time contract. Uh, it looks like Ryan Rainey on a two-year deal, and a lot of the new recruits on two-year deals. So he's not going to have that uh, that that player movie go around, which we've seen. I think that's it's been synonymous with Finn Harps, really, hasn't it? over the past couple of years he just seemed to be constantly rebuilding and rebuilding and yeah hopefully for dave that's that's not going to be an issue for the for the foreseeable future yeah joseph uh, ollie's gone so it just feels like it's something fresh and new that's that's starting here and with the stadium you know albeit it'll take a little bit of time but it's just around the corner as well there could be a different finn harps that we see over the next few years yeah, I mean, I, I expect it to look a lot different to what it would have looked like under Ollie Horgan's football anyway, but yeah, I'm... You might have to I, meet him down the corridor now, you need to be careful. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, sure, we, we, all know, we all know he's here for results anyway, so it's not too yeah. bad, I think it's effective, but to be fair, like, they've lost a lot of experience and a lot of Premier Division experience at that, which could hamper them at times, I think, you know, when you need that kind of grit maybe, but... There are a lot of promising players that have come in. You know, you, you mentioned a lot of them there. And I think if it's not this season, then at least they are going to be there or thereabouts going forward. And I think the fact that, you know, uh, Dave Rogers on a four-year deal as well is a, is a massive show of faith for, for him going forward. And I think it's a, it's a project that's worth investing in. You know, there's a lot of, you know, promising young players that have come in there as well and some really exciting signings. So they're definitely going to be challenging this season. And, you know, they're, they're going to be eyeing up the Premier Division and a return. And I think when they do go up eventually they're going to want to be staying there and not battling relegation constantly so they're on the right track like yeah yeah absolutely um nathan tala stadium it's it's almost done it's not too far away now that we are going to see a, a four-sided stadium in tala uh, give us a quick update 
yeah, quick update before we move on to the fan question this week. Um, it's believed that all scheduled work um, for Tallah Stadium is set to be done by July. Uh, as you said, it'll be now uh, four stands, which uh, increase the capacity to 10,000. That'll maintain the Category 4 um, UEFA Stadium that they have, so which means that they can host uh, Champions League, Europa League and Europa Conference League uh, group stage games. Other little bit, bits of work that they're getting done is uh, one of them is to the main stands, the, the corporate hospitality and media areas are getting um, a, a revamp along with um, changing areas, change facilities and improved disability viewing access in the south stands. All this comes to a cost of 11.5 million and as we touched on with the European adventures, absolutely perfect timing. You couldn't have timed it any better. This is all going to be complete by July, just in time for the European fixtures. Absolutely brilliant. Uh, Joseph, when you look at that stadium and how well it's been worked with the county council here in Dublin and South Dublin and with Shamrock Rovers, should more clubs be looking to work with the, the councils around the country? Yeah, I mean, if it, it can be as fruitful as that, then absolutely. I suppose not everywhere is going to have as much resources to you know, build something as good as that, but it shows what is possible. And I think when you have the success to back it up as well and you can you know, you can justify facilities as good as those and absolutely, but I can only dream of having something like that and go away. Do you think, <laughs> yeah, do you think, you might, you will, you'll probably have a 30,000 all seater stadium, so I don't be worrying about that. Do you think that clubs are putting enough pressure on to get what they want off, off, off councils, off government? Because you see other sports, you know, obviously we'll talk about Gaelic football, Gaelic football or hurling, the GAA, they are very, very well looked after uh, in comparison to the League of Ireland. Uh, probably I feel that they have never really pushed it and, and need to push it more. Would you be along the same lines or, or you did see it different? No, I'd agree, to be fair. I think we need to be doing everything we can to upgrade where we can and when we can. So absolutely, I think we're, like myself and the rest of the media team, are massive advocates for getting as much as much stuff into AMDC Park as we possibly can. Mm. Our issue as well is that the stadium's not actually owned by us, it's the FAs, but we're still constantly pushing to try and get stuff like, you know, LED scoreboards in, new floodlights and all that. And, you know, if if we can call on the council as well, that'd be fantastic. You know, any help is 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 brilliant. Um to be fair though, some stadiums around the country are, are brilliant, even in the first division. You know, I was down at Turner's Cross in July and yeah. what a stadium to be fair. Yeah. So you know, if, if every ground was like that, then away days wouldn't be as unbearable as they are sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Don't name any names. OK, listen, Nathan, um, fan question this week. Uh, who sent it and what is it? Yeah, so get them into us, guys. The big kickoff, social media pages, Nathan Doyle, Roy Shanahan. We're friendly. You know what I like. Just keep them coming. We love having them. Uh, this week was sent in by Alan Toig, uh, Free Play Alan, regular listener to the show. Always really with engagement. We love to see him, mate. Keep them coming. Uh, so Alan's question is, sim- very simply, do you think a 10-team Premier Division is too small? Well, and I, think, I think, of course, we can throw in the fourth division for this conversation as well. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I'm going to throw it on to Joseph there because, Joseph, you, you... There's... How many is it? It was 10... Was it nine a, a season or two ago that there was nine in the first season. division and yeah, yeah last year and of course they had Shamrock Rovers B thrown in the, the year before just to try and mix it up a little bit 
they're talking about a third tier as well is that going to be another third tier of 10 teams how would you like to see the league restructured or what way would you like to see it structured yeah to be honest I, I probably if possible I wouldn't really want to have three tiers I'd rather just do two bigger t- uh, top two divisions if possible but it, it does come down to resources I guess but I think at this stage now like there there's enough clubs in the first division that are have the resources and have you know the full-time status that you could justify a bigger premier division in fairness like you know Mm. the likes of ourselves and waterford i think wouldn't look out of place in the premier division if we did get there um it it is kind of it's a bit unfair saying that at the same time when we when we haven't got there on merit but i think it it would be justified to have a 12 team premier division or even a 14 team you know there there's plenty of teams that probably could justify their position there and then you know, instead of having the third tier, if you got, say, I don't know, between four and eight teams that are kind of be pushing for, you know, third tier status when it does come in, I think it would be, it'd work out pretty well as well. It's, I suppose away days is the only thing, you know, would some of the new teams that have come into that, you know, second tier have the resources to be traveling up and down the country because the first division is very spread out. Yeah, 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 yeah. I understand that. That's, well, that's something that they have to factor in once they're, they're going to go for it. You know, I mean, I know, I know to be, you probably have the likes of the Monaghan Uniteds who might be thinking about coming back in. I know the Kilkenny's might be thinking about coming back in. I had uh, Carlo and who did Carlo be uh, the combined league? Who's that? Who are they with? Um, they were talking about coming into it. So there, I think there's a lot of interest in, and I, and I think there's one or two maybe uh, around with Kildare and Dublin as it is. Because I mean, Dublin, in fairness, they do talk about. There's teams around Dublin, but Dublin is a big spot, you know. So, um, I mean, even looking looking at say the likes of Lucan or or Talla or Blanchardstown, they're all towns that are you know between fifty, sixty thousand to a hundred thousand uh, people. So they're 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 big enough places. But uh, Nathan, would you like to see just what Joseph's saying there? Maybe a fourteen team first. Maybe a, a, a twelve or fourteen second, and still maybe having a third division somewhere along the lines. Yeah, I'd like them to really hone in and focus on developing and, and bolstering the two divisions we have now at the minute. I think if you're going to go down the route of the third division, and I said it plenty of times, Roy, when we brought this up, that's not going to come into pass for a long time. It's going to be one of these things that's put on the long finger. But I think if you do go down that route, you're going to have to regionalize it in some capacity whether that be you know north and south or whether that be you know in, in the, 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 the four provinces i'm not too sure because you're going to have a lot of amateur sides you're going to have a lot of um university sides coming in that just won't be able to make that journey just say from from waterford to sligo or any, any sort of long distance because i think if it's those, a university side that they're going to get funded anyhow for it yeah but it's it's still it's it's a, it's a hefty cost you're taking travel and maintenance of you know basic stuff maintenance of grounds floodlighting things like that it definitely all lose that up so yeah I, i'd like to see that happen but i think it's just work on the two we have um and so you're saying, what you're saying, Nathan, is you don't want to see a third tier? Not really, no. I said that in the past, right? We brought it up. I, I, I think you'll be scrambling around. Um, I think you'll eventually, after a short amount of time, you'll see clubs dropping out. And sure, what's the point of doing that? You might as well have two strong functioning divisions than having two and a third that's limping along because the way it is now, the two we have now at the minute are limping along. So I think adding on a third division would just cause more problems than anything else. Um I just to jump back in what I was going to say there, for instance, Alan, Alan sent on a bit of um, a bit of an idea uh, 
terms of talking about a 10-team league and making it stronger. Uh, Alan brings up the prospect of an all-Ireland league, something that was heavily talked about uh, before COVID and into the early stages of lockdown. Alan thinks it's the way forward. He thinks if you look like there's 44 teams across the two League of Ireland and NIFL divisions, and that's without, as I said, that's without mentioning a proposed tour tier in the League of Ireland. So, yeah, Alan feels like that an all-Ireland league should be something that should be really looked into once again. Well, we've had our discussion on that, so Joseph, it, we want to hear what your thoughts on it are. An All-Ireland League, is it something, firstly, that you'd like to see happening, and secondly, that it's likely to happen? Like to see happen, yeah, I would. Just purely for the away days, I'd say. Um, it'd be <laughs> class. Uh, could I see it happening? Maybe. I, that's kind of a cop-out, but it's hard to say. I feel like a lot of teams would probably be on board with it, but then you'd have a few that would really kind of be against it. And it's hard to say. I, I wasn't really um, that involved in the discussion when it was being mooted first, first and foremost, so I don't really know how it went and why it finished up. But I would personally like to see it anyway, definitely. Yeah, I think I, I think I'd like to see it, Nathan. Because yeah, I think I, I think we're pretty much in uh, agreement with that, aren't we? With that we'd yeah, all and and I, I think I, th- I think what way it'll work out is is that you'll see the League of Ireland getting stronger, you'll see the, the the stadiums get better. I do think that this is starting to evolve now. I think you'll see the football is is gradually getting better. The underage structures is get, are getting better. So everything's starting to slowly. I could do it going a little bit quicker, as in you know a bit more money put in and helping. But I think that there's going to be a little look at some stage from the north and they're going to go, I like where this is going. And that's when they're going to start to step in. Um, It's not a thing of, yeah, jump in now. This is what we are. We'll all mix in together. I think they'll see the benefits after a while. That could be five years time. I I, 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 I would be surprised. I think that's the main sort of sticking point when we're talking about an All-Ireland League, isn't it? It's... um, if you look at down south, then where we are, it seems to be more so positively taken. Where up north, it's it's sort of more scoffed at than anything else. I think a lot of that has to come down with the um, the feel like they listen, they'd be missing out on European positions where there'd be more competition for European places and European money if uh, sudden teams were, were, were to come in and were to come together into this one big all Ireland league. But yeah, yeah, slowly things are definitely a bit of changing around. We've seen the League of Ireland itself have a bit of a, a marketing change, a bit of a facelift. They're, they're really pushing it in fairness to them in the off-season. We need to see more than just three months of, of, a, of a push marketing campaign. It needs to be consistently done throughout the season. But yeah, as I said, slowly, slowly changing because for me, I, I think the big stick point would be getting the, the clubs up in Northern Ireland involved rather than anything else. Yeah, and as you said, European places, but also there's jobs within these uh, football yeah, associations. Yeah. So people are probably fearful of, of losing their jobs or losing their title uh, where it, it, it may be. So, you know, some people have to be brave sometimes and, and, and maybe there's a couple of old fogies in there that need to go too. Okay, listen, we're going to leave it there. Nathan, as always, thanks very much. Joseph, really delighted that you came in. Uh, you uh, you knocked it out of the park, I have to say. Uh, <laughs> solid, absolutely solid. Thanks um, very much. And I, and I hope Galway are as solid as you were uh, on the podcast tonight. Uh, to everyone who listened, thanks very much. Uh, you know where we are. We're on all social media across from Facebook, Twitter, uh, Instagram. Go on to TikTok, go on to YouTube. Uh, follow us and of course the podcasts are on every podcast provider that you um, can find and spread the word 
See you next week.